Super Talk Mississippi media production. Discover the Copaya Advantage. Copaya County is a Mid-South gem with a spirit of opportunity, a business-friendly environment, and access to major transportation networks. Copaya County, let's do business. Visit copayaworks.com today and discover the Copaya Advantage. Hi, Dave. My name is Brian Scott Riffey. My co-conspirator, as always, is Colin Brister. We appreciate you hanging out with us on a Friday. Um, not a whole lot to get to on today's show. We'll preview some Con- Ole Miss Kentucky baseball. Um, I have a story coming out this morning on some unlikely Ole Miss baseball fans. It's kind of a wild, kind of a wild, wild thing in how they made their way to Oxford from California. Um, we'll get into some NBA playoff matchups. Uh, talk about our two diehard phantoms for the NHL teams. I think your team fared better than mine did. I actually watched the uh, the Columbus game. I watched the Columbus game the other night, like most all of it, and it was actually pretty cool. They scored like three goals in the final period, and like two of them came within like ninety seconds of each other to beat a one seed on the road. Wow, it, it, that that's a choke job from Tampa Bay. Yeah, so you 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 tagged me in that tweet, and like I'd known this for a while, but like. Uh, Herb Street, one, he's a huge Reds fan. I think he's honestly a bigger hockey fan than a Reds fan, though, but he loves the Columbus Blue Jackets, too, like watches all their games and stuff. <laughs> so honestly, like, I get, I, I've like seen a lot of their updates throughout the year from just from following him, but I don't know. I love playoff hockey. Like I said, I'm not going to pretend to like know hockey because I don't, but like that almost makes it better. But like playoff <laughs> hockey is awesome. I watched I watched the uh, Preds game the other night because I was with some friends that are big Preds fans and they obviously got beat. I think they play game two tonight, but I was not because um, that was like the first time I've ever watched hockey and I was not like bored. It was it was certainly something that I did not mind watching and will probably turn on at some point tonight. Yeah, and I it's interesting that you even say that. And so I was reading actually up on some of the Stars Predator stuff and apparently. Those are two like really good defensive teams with good like goaltender. So like mm. you watch the game where apparently like like it's like the Texas Tech Virginia version first seven minutes of hockey of apparently, hockey. but <laughs> still apparently pretty entertaining. I don't know. I love playoff hockey. I think it's wild. See what I mean? Like the seeding means nothing. I believe that was two eight seeds just beating ones at home, kind of like it was nothing. <laughs> yeah, it, it seems like hockey can be uh, the most sport, the sport with the most variation for sure. Yeah, they've had eight seeds win the cup before, which like basketball, oh, like there's only been like one that to ever win the first round series ever, right? The Mavs are the only team to ever do that, isn't it? Maybe there's two. I think the Grizz won one. The year, Grizzlies, that's right. They did that. Didn't they beat the Spurs? That's Spurs, right. yeah. Uh so there's been a couple, but point being, a little different game in hockey. But this is not a hockey podcast. I I would be down to, <laughs> if it to is, nobody's listening. at some point. Yeah. So we're not gonna break down NHL games and pucks and all kinds of other stuff. We will get into some Ole Miss baseball, which Ole Miss plays Kentucky this weekend. And really, like to me it's an in, like it's a weird series in the sense that like I mean, this is not terribly uncommon, but Kentucky's really only gun is going on Saturday. Both teams TBA on Sunday. I guess for starters, Ole Miss better win Friday night. They better, and it's a weird situation for Ole Miss, and I don't really know what they do because they're not going to play on Saturday. Um, they're they're for sure not going to play a full game, so I don't know what so they're going to do. I'm not sure about that. I, I so hear me out here. So from what I from what I've been looking at as of this recording this morning, the rain is supposed to come right at night and like through set Sunday like. You know, Saturday night, Sunday morning. So, could they not move the game up and get most of it in? All right. Well, here's where here's where your, your issue is going to be. Um, 
there the game is on SEC Network. The game last weekend was on SEC Network, and they moved it, and then they could have played on SEC Network, and and. I'm sure those people at the SEC were not happy that they didn't get a live game when it didn't rain that much in Oxford that last Saturday night. I'm not positive they're going to let them move it up off of uh, off the TV. Um, so that's where I think they're going to run into an issue there. Well, like who has final say because they're not playing it regardless. So the the SEC network's like stubbornness to not wanting to move is just going to be a moot point, and and no one's going to win. Like, yeah, I, I think I agree, but I think they got really upset last weekend when Ole Miss moved the game up, and then it didn't rain for bro, like thirty minutes. Well, I mean, if the forecast looks like it did, like I, I, I don't know. I, I'm gonna bet they move it up. I could be yeah. wrong. I don't know, but I, I'm gonna I mean, bet they move it up. I would. I was thinking because you know yesterday it called for rain all day Saturday. I was thinking, well, why not just play two on Friday? And then I found out that was not an option to play two on Friday. You would have to play if you're playing two. And you can't play on Saturday. You have to do it on Sunday, which and, – and that's kind of going back to your point with Zach Thompson. That would be worst-case scenario for Ole Miss. You have to do everything possible to avoid a seven-inning game with Zach Thompson. Yeah, so left-hander, really good pitcher, high draft picks. He first, second round probably first, somewhere. Yeah, probably first round. Yeah, so left-hander, which is kind of a kiss of death for Ole Miss, an elite left-hander at that. And yeah, they can't play Friday Friday because I'm playing golf. I'm pretty sure that's what Mike is revolving his schedule <laughs> around. To, yeah, I told him I was playing golf in the morning. I was like, "Look, man, like if you play two, I'm not coming." And he was like, "Okay, <laughs> we won't play two. Um, so, <laughs> but, Thank God you're a hero. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, so Saturday's not a great matchup for Ole Miss. I actually don't. I I wouldn't be stunned if they won, but I actually don't like their chances against Zach Thompson very much. And, and, it, and I was talking to somebody about this last night. Every time you've needed Nikhazy to be good, he's been good. He's kind of due for one of these starts where he's not bad, but he gives up three runs in six innings. And if you give up three runs in six innings against Zach Thompson, you might be beat. Yeah, and I don't know, though. Nikhazy, I mean, he, Nikhazy had one of those two weekends ago at Arkansas where he was not great, but kind of grinded through and gave him five and two-thirds. Yeah, but Zach um, Thompson wasn't on the mound for Arkansas either. Yeah, no, no, no. I, absolutely. I just, I, I don't know. I don't know if he's necessarily due for one, but like, uh, fair it's, it's like, but, but to the, uh, to the other side of it, like, I feel like from a national perspective, Nikhazy is still a bit under the radar. Like, this is a hell of a leaping point, I guess, if you kind of outdo this kid. Like, do you remember in 2017 at the or time? Rollison uh, out, like, what do you, somebody who got, MacArthur Can't. got sick. No, Parkinson um, got sick. That's right. Got sick, and, and they had to move Rollison up a day. And almost the season was on that on the line that day because they had lost on Friday night to Missouri. To Missouri, and, and then Rollison as a freshman, Howell. yeah, outdoors was Tanner Howell, who's a high draft pick, and like that was really kind of when people were like, okay, this is Ryan Rollison, and you know, he's here to shove it up your ass, essentially. Like, this kids, <laughs> kids, good. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, and so, like, I, I mean, if there was ever a moment, like, and Nikhazy seems like a kid that, I mean, it's so cliche to say, like, relishes that, but, like, I mean, I think Florida was a little bit personal to him last week, and now he's got another chance to kind of, you know, knock off a high draft pick. Yeah, he's not going to be intimidated of that, I am certain. Um, but what what that does kind of Ole Miss is there's so much pressure on Friday night to win. Oh, yeah, 100%, because your chances are not great Saturday, and then, I mean, Sunday is, like, you know, sticking your hand in a in a mixed bag blind, like well, I, I mean, that you don't know what you're going to get. 
I think you kind of do, though, because uh, UK has had a really good pitcher in the midweek. They don't throw him during the – and he's throw, he had thrown every midweek game this season. They don't throw him this, this midweek. I mean, I would be kind of surprised if it's not Mason Hazelwood for them on Sunday, who's a left-hander who sits 89 to 91. Um, I mean, I guess sure. they use- I was really talking about from Ole Miss's perspective. Oh, okay. Because their TV, you got to remember their TVA too, and like you don't. I mean, I mean, Roth didn't exactly take the job from Hoagland last week. Like that wasn't no, exactly a, a rousing. Hey, this I, is mine. I frankly, unless they need Myers, unless they don't need Myers on Friday or Saturday, I expect Gunnar Hoagland on Sunday. I probably would too. It makes the most sense. Like. It, to me, like he just kind of at this juncture, and I'm not even sure why I'm gonna, like what where I can like point to it and say this, but it feels like he just gives you more than Roth. I don't know what's going on with Roth because, like, you thought he was getting healthy, he had a couple good outings, and then has had a couple well, well, we like to call suboptimal outings. And so, like <laughs> last week, four unearned runs wasn't terrible, didn't have much defensive help, but I mean, they still squared him up pretty good. Yeah, I mean, frankly, if Veroth's velocity is going to sit 86 to 87, it's never going to look great. Now, if he ever bumps up to 89, 90, where he's always been, then, you know, I think he's probably your best option on Sunday. But right now, I I don't really see how that's your best option at this point. I think it's either Myers or or Hodland on Sunday for sure. Yeah, and it was interesting. We had Scott Berry on. We've had obviously we talked to all three coaches in the state right. on the radio show each week. We, we we've been talking to Scott Berry lately, and their bullpen has been overworked because of what they haven't had behind their Friday. I think they've had an injury, but point being, they got a kid named Walker Powell who's given them a complete game on Friday nights the last two times they pitched, <laughs> which means the bullpen hasn't stepped foot on the rubber until Saturday, and, like, not that you can expect that out of Will Etheridge on Friday nights in the SEC, but, like, something like that would really help Ole Miss considering the weather's being dice. Like, if, if Etheridge can go, like, 7-8 and, like, be more extended than he has right. all year, like, and save the pin, that's going to help Ole Miss a lot against Zach Thompson, plus potentially a doubleheader kind of a dicey situation. You just don't know what you're going to get. And so, like, if you have another thing where if Etheridge leaves with a blister or whatever Oof. and you're kind of taxing the bullpen, even if it's – just Myers eating innings and then Caracy, like you're you're not set up nearly as I'm not breaking any news here, but you're not set up nearly as well as you would be if you got seven, eight innings out of him. Oh, absolutely. Almost needs and you know it's not it's not Will Etheridge's fault that he has the blister, but if boy, if you could get seven innings out of him, because I think Ole Miss is gonna win kind of easily on Friday night because obviously, you know, everybody talks about Zach Thompson throwing on Saturday. Well, that means Kentucky's not throwing someone not as good on Friday night. And and I think Ole Miss will win tonight. I think it'll be a six to one typeish game. And I I think Etheridge, if he could give them seven innings and you give the ball to Max Chofi to finish the eighth and ninth, it really really set Ole Miss up well. You know, going into Saturday where you've got three of your three of your best relievers and you're probably going to need all three of them against one of the best pitchers in the country. Yeah, and like it's obviously we're beating it into the ground here, but like you just like if you, I think they're going to win Friday night too. I think it's going to be kind of one of those games as well, like kind of six one seven two something like that. But man, like if they this team's been known to kind of thrown an inexplicable stink bomb. Like if you do that, you're kind of <laughs> in a world of trouble as far as the weekend. Not like big picture or anything yeah. like that drastic, but like uh, getting you know. You go from, hey, two, maybe a sweep if you get lucky to, holy lord, like, let's not lose to this Kentucky team. Yeah, and and here's the thing about Kentucky. They're 2-10 in the SEC. They're a better baseball team than 2-10. and 10. Like, South Carolina's 2-10, and, and I'm not sure that they're as good as 2-10. and 10. Like, I think they're worse. 
Um, they are very K- bad. Yeah, Kentucky's not as bad as their record. They're not making a regional or anything, but they, they've got talented kids, obviously, with Zach Thompson. I think the Hazelwood kid that's going through on Sunday is eventually a first-round guy. I mean, it's they, there's talent there. Um, and, and Kentucky has a top, like a number 41 rep, or RPI. Like, this isn't an absolute horrible baseball team. But it's a series that, man, you've got to win just kind of being at home and, and where your metrics kind of are right now. And what you, you know, you didn't really get much accomplished in non-conference before on Tuesday night. So it's just kind of a series where Ole Miss has to figure out a way to win too. And obviously the best way to do that is to win on Friday night and not have to beat Zach Thompson on Saturday. Sure. And like, if you win, you're 10 and five at the halfway point, which like, honestly, like that's like, obviously that's a very great place to be in, in an SEC West that is really just going to be kind of a three, four, sometimes five team dogfight to the finish. And, you know, particularly considering Mike's teams tend to play better in the second half of the year. Like there haven't been a ton of teams he's had that have been 10 and five. Like it's a lot of seven and nine, eight and eight, nine and seven, and then really kind of hit a second gear in the second half when he's had good teams. Yeah. And, and yeah, that that, you're exactly right. They play a lot better in the second half of the season. That was, as was evidence last year. Um, I think they were nine and I think they were eight and seven at the halfway point last year. And they, they finished the year 10 and five. Uh, they finished the year five and one against Auburn and Ar- or Al- Auburn and Alabama. I mean, it, it, you're right. It's a team that in our program that usually plays well at the end of the regular season. So if you look up and you're ten and five, I mean, you you've really got a shot to do something special here. Because let's just be real. After Kentucky, the next four series are an absolute gauntlet. I mean, it's a at- it's a it's a meat grinder to the finish after this weekend. You think like. If, if- if they go, if they're two, 10 and five after this weekend and you offer Mike Bianco six and six over the next 12, he might take it. Oh, 100%. Because, I mean, it, it, man, at Auburn is tough. A&M at home is tough. At LSU is a, I mean, nightmare. And then state at home is, I mean, it's state. They're really good. And then even closing the year at Tennessee, Tennessee, like, Tennessee pitches the hell out of it. They beat Georgia last night. Yeah, I, I know. Mean, and like, they were close to beating Miss. I mean, not. I say close. They. I mean, they gave State a run for their well, money. They were an extra against was State on Friday night. Yeah, I mean, so like, it, like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, there are no easy series left after this one. No, this is it. Like, it, and and like as much as was made of Ole Miss not taking advantage of the early like kind of not letdown in schedule, but the Alabamas, the Missouris, like. Maybe they didn't, but I mean, ten and five is still ten and five if they take care of business this oh, weekend. Oh yeah, if anyone would, if you'd offered ten and five, and I guess possibly eleven and four. Now I don't see that. I don't think Ole Miss sweeps this weekend. But if you offered anybody associated with that program or a fan ten and five before the year, everyone would have taken it. Everybody. So I mean, I, I'm trying to think of storylines going this weekend. Does Olenek play? I think so. I think that was more of a precautionary thing because it's not like he's dealing with some gigantic ailment. Like it's, it's a bruise on his ass essentially, or, <laughs> hip, <laughs> tailbone, whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely painful. But I, I think he probably plays. Um, Cooper Johnson will be back and probably won't be drawing any more lines in the dirt anytime soon. <laughs> Although I um, kind of wish you would. Yeah, I mean, really, kind of after the midweek thing, where does where does the poster fit in? Does That's he what I was just going to say. Where does, does he might kind of go to him quicker off the bench? Does I think he DH one day if someone struggles instead of Graham. I mean, against the left-hander, yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, I wasn't like, like I wasn't like, like that wasn't pointed. I was just trying to think. Oh of like, yeah, 
Yeah, I think absolutely he starts in place of Graham against left-handed pitching because I, I just – I mean, he struggled against left-handed pitching and Lepostor's hit the ball too well to sit on the bench against left-handed pitching. Yeah, and it's – like, yeah, I, I think you're. I think you're probably right. I, I don't know if he starts one. Um, I, I would probably agree with that strategy if they did. But uh, it, he'll be kind of an interesting. I mean, I don't want to say like catalyst because the offense is playing well enough to where it's like not that like they're in dire need of a spark. But like, how does he change the ceiling if he's hitting that well off the bench and kind of forces his way into the lineup? Yeah, I mean, because you. you for a while, I haven't gotten much out of the DH position. Graham has really scuffled in SEC play, so you got to find somebody that that put up consistent bats in the in the SEC at DH, and he's obviously done that. You know, he goes I think 0 for three or one for four against Florida last Saturday, and and you know after Cooper gets thrown out, but he hit two balls that if the wind wasn't blowing so hard in are home runs. He's really really squared the ball up recently. Yeah, and it's weird weekend because like. Like, I, I'm not sure how much you're going to learn about, like, like I still haven't feel like I've, like, learned a ton about this team. Like, I feel like I'm still in a place where I can't decide if they're a, you know, two seed in Tempe or a national seed. I think you're going to find that out in the weeks to come after this series. But, like, I, I'm not sure no matter the result, I learn much more about them this week. Yeah, I don't, I think that's fair. I mean, unless it's just another dominant sweep like it was last weekend, then you probably look at them and think they're a national seed. But if you win two games and you're 10-5, and five, I'm not sure exactly how you could formulate an opinion on you know what this team's uh, future holds. Frankly, I think if you made me guess right now, they're a, they're a host team that's not a national seed. I think that's kind of where they're trending. But, I mean, there's still so much season left, and we still got – I mean, they're still kind of filling out roles right now, so it's kind of hard to you know pinpoint exactly what you think the postseason projection for this team is. Those roles have become more defined, too, than they were, say, two weeks ago. Sure. I mean, it's still weird, though, because, like, it, like you didn't figure it would take this long with this team, and it's kind of kind of figuring itself out, it seems like. Like, they kind of seem to have some semblance of a regular lineup now. The The Olenek leadoff thing has changed their, their, whole, their whole deal, in my Which opinion. Which is hilarious, because he resembles a leadoff hitter in no way. Yeah, but the thing is, like, I, I don't have it in front of me. It was 464 when he got put into the leadoff spot, if I'm not mistaken. Like, the OBP speaks for itself. Obviously, he doesn't walk a ton. But, I mean, we talked about this before. He's either – he may – I haven't looked at the stats since, but he, he was two away heading in the Florida series from eclipsing his walk total for, like, any season <laughs> in his career, which is not saying much. It was, like, 11 or 12. But the point being is, like, he's making a conscious – like, he's aggressive to a fault sometimes. And so he's at least making a conscious effort to see more pitches now. And, like – if you're getting on base, you're getting on base. Like yeah, at a certain point, it doesn't it doesn't matter. I mean, if your OBP is 470 and you have a whole walk, then it's not you know it doesn't matter. Um, I just kind of said that in the sense of you know a lot of people believe that you you need to walk a lot, you need to be able to steal a ton of bases, and I don't buy into that at all. Um, it's just kind of funny that that them moving him to the leadoff spot has really really sparked this lineup. And, you know, right now they've got Gray at the two-hole who's kind of carrying this, you know, top of the order right now. Yeah, it's taking a lot of pressure off him. He's, he's seen a lot more pitches to hit. He just kind of looks more comfortable. So, yeah, I mean, that's about all I got. for Like, that's kind of what I'm thinking going into the weekend. I, I don't – I can't – can't, I mean, obviously, it's 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 how does Lepostor fit in. It's kind of what does Sunday look like. It's probably Hoagland, although, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if he went to Roth again. No, it wouldn't shock me, I don't think. But it's just kind of I, – I think 
I think they're going to make a conscious effort not to throw Hoagland on Friday and Saturday, whereas I don't think that same effort is going to be used for Roth. Yeah, that's that's probably fair. Um, but I, I yeah, I, I think so too. It's just I'm better like, to what they're going to do weather-wise. I mean, because Saturday's a nightmare. Yeah, I wouldn't hate a day off Saturday. I'm just saying. I don't think NBA you're playoffs get it, man. on. You do or don't? <laughs> no, I don't. I, I, and here's why: they're going to play tonight with no issues. If you play a doubleheader on Sunday, it's a seven-inning game. Ole Miss is going to start that game on Saturday somehow because if you start the game on Saturday, they're required to play nine innings on Sunday. If you throw one pitch, they have to play nine innings. And Ole Miss is not going to play a seven-inning game against Zach Thompson if they can help it. Yeah, that's probably fair. But, I mean, at a certain point, like, if it's pouring from start to finish, like, like there is a way where it doesn't start, like, by, by literal <laughs> mother nature. You know what I mean? I, I guess that's fair. But if you can sit there – Mike's going to sit there until 1030 so he can throw a pitch. If, if it was me, I would sit there until 1030 because I just – I can't have a seven-inning game against Zach Thompson because he could throw a complete game two-hitter in seven innings. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to monitor that. It's kind of a nice weekend of sports. I like I always love the first weekend in the NBA playoffs just because there's so many games. and. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because when LeBron left the East, you're like, man, whoever gets the East, like whoever's year it is to have the Eastern Conference playoffs, like they're getting robbed. It's just going to be like a wasteland. And it's turned out to be the exact opposite of that. I would say the East is more interesting than the West, in my opinion. Well, yeah, matchups. because the West is going to be the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I, I think Houston has a chance. Oh, um, okay. I think I mean, Houston could get beat if, first if, round. I think that's actually also true also. So I guess there there really is a lot of intrigue there. I, I don't – I yeah, the Jazz are a tough team. I think they could, but I think Houston will end up handling them. They handled them in five last year in the conference semis. Sure. Look, people forget, like Houston's up three to two, and Golden State was shook in the conference finals last year. And if Chris Paul doesn't turn his ankle and miss the last two games, and then the Rockets have a historically bad shooting performance in game seven, like – Golden State, for as good as they are, have gotten ridiculously lucky injury-wise yeah. in terms of opponents. I yeah. mean, Kawhi had them up 25 in Golden State in Game 1 of that conference final series and then steps on Zaza Pachulia's ankle, whether it was intentional or not. I was going to say, you going to call it stepped on? Yeah, I mean, you know what I mean. And so, like, they've been fortunate. And, like, I, I think Houston, in somehow, like, I— when they lost some of the pieces they had this offseason, I was like, they're not going to be as good, but they've turned into a better version of themselves. So I think that if what sucks is the way it worked out. So Houston could have wrapped up the two seed if they had beaten Oklahoma Oklahoma City on Tuesday night, and they dropped all the way to the uh, they dropped all the way to the four. So you're going to get oh. which kind of stinks. You're going to get them in the uh, you're going to get Houston Golden Semis. State in the conference semis, which sucks. And Houston was a choke away from locking up the two seed. Like, they blew that game against Oklahoma City, and they dropped all the way to the four seed. So who's the two and three? So Denver got the two, and Portland okay. got the three. Portland with no Nurkic. The Trailblazers. Uh, Portland. Oklahoma Which, City's going to win that series, aren't they? Um, I don't know, I man. Oklahoma City, the last two months of the season, has been atrocious. Just I think awful. they're favored, which is weird, because they don't have home court. But... Well, yeah. with about two weeks left in the seat, like the the Blazers are without CJ McCollum and Nurkic. I don't know if yeah. McCollum's going to be back for the playoffs, but like they've been kind of devastated with injuries. But they still like they're kind of like Indiana. Like 
when Oladipo went down, it was kind of like, okay, when's this team going to fall off? And like the way they defend, they never did. You want to talk about a series that could really get hairy in a hurry? Boston, Indiana. Because the Celtics don't play very well together. They don't like each other. And like that to me is a recipe for disaster in the four or five. If Indi- I think any- Indiana could bounce them. Is there any pressure on Stevens right now? Because it kind of feels like they just keep beating their head against the wall. I don't know because I don't know what you can do because Kyrie has been kind of a kind of a cancer. Yeah, which and, is what he is. Yeah, it's just I don't know if it's like cancer though. That may be the wrong word. It, it it's maybe it, it's just he, he like he he like wanted to have his own team. It seems like, but like hasn't been really the leader that's required. The team doesn't really seem to gel. Like you keep waiting for them to figure it out, and they just never did. So I actually don't like them getting out of the East. I think they'll end up beating Indiana. They're going to have to play well, too. But they're not beating Milwaukee. I don't think they're going to beat Toronto, too. They kind of own Philly because Horford is all in Embiid's head. And <laughs> if that ever happened, like I, th- I, they could, I think they'll beat Philly if they face him. But I don't think they're going to face Philly. They're Mil- no. they fa- Obviously, yeah, they face Milwaukee if they got through. So you've got Milwaukee, Detroit. Uh, Detroit's a pretty good story. That team kind of with Blake Griffin turning into a perimeter and a post player actually turned yeah. into a fairly decent team. They're going to lose. Yeah, they're going to um, lose five. Toronto, Orlando, that's a four-game or five-game series. Orlando's a good story, too. Like, there probably isn't a single team this year that maximized its roster more than the Orlando Magic did. Um, also And they five. slipped in as the seven seed. Philadelphia, Brooklyn at 3-6 is really interesting. I think Philadelphia wins the series, but I think Brooklyn could give them a real scare. D'Angelo Russell is a completely different player than he was in L.A. Funny how that works. Yeah, and like he obviously more mature, but like that's a fun team. Like Brooklyn was a really – like towards the end of the year, it was like Brooklyn, the Hawks, and the Kings before they had a couple injuries were like three of the most fun teams to watch. Yeah. Um, so I'm not necessarily sure – that they're going to beat Philly. Like I can't feel figure Philadelphia out either because I, it's a bunch of really good talent with no bench. And like, I just, I don't know. I, I, I like, I don't see it fitting. So I, I don't know. So you're probably going to get, you're good in the second round. You're probably going to get Milwaukee, Boston, Toronto, Philly. Who would you yeah. take in Toronto, Philly? Um, seeing as how Toronto loses in the conference semis every year, I'll take Philly. I think I'll take Philadelphia too, but like Toronto, I think it's a different DNA and different makeup sure. with Kawhi, yeah, and because like the with the whole DeRozan Lowry thing, like the, I mean they were a great regular season team because they played really hard, had two prolific guards, but neither one of those guys when it came down in like a playoff series where you had to have guys create their own shots and like carry an offense through the last three minutes because that's what NBA playoff basketball is. Like in the last three minutes of a game, you have to have a dude that's going to go get you basket after basket, and they didn't really have that. And so, like, obviously, they would just get owned by LeBron every time they ran into him every year. But I think it's a different team this year with Kawhi. I'm not sure how that looks though, but it'll be interesting to see them in a playoff setting. So, yeah, I'll probably take Philly there. So, are we really going to have a Philly Milwaukee conference finals? Yeah, man, it's going to be lit. That God, you know who whoever has that. Look, I think it's good basketball, but I also don't think you're going to get a huge rating from that. No, but I think it's a cool story either way. Because like, if Giannis gets Milwaukee to the finals, that's kind of like his arrival is like, hey, I'm about to take over the league for the next seven, eight years, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. And then if Philly gets it, like it's it's kind of the completion of the process and all the pieces <laughs> they've added with Tobias Harris and Jimmy Butler, and like I don't even know if 
two of those guys are going to be there next year or two years, but like they're there now. And it's kind of an interesting story. So the West, you have Golden State Clippers. Uh, how in the, world, the Clippers are the Clippers are maybe the team in the, with the most upside the entire NBA. Like Doc Rivers done a hell of a job ever since they ousted him as like the president and he's just coaching basketball. Like that's a yeah. team that almost made the playoffs last year that should have been in the lottery. Most people thought they were going to be in the lottery this year. They won 48 games and they're probably getting Kawhi Leonard and maybe Anthony Davis this summer. Yeah. And they're probably going to be the two or three seed next year. Yeah, I, I think. Do, can you imagine when the Clippers are the more dominant team in town when LeBron went to LA? That is a really fascinating scene. Well, they've been but, the most dominant team in LA for about ten years now, which is yeah. Wild. So they're gonna they are gonna lose though. So you got Denver, you got Denver, San Antonio. I think Denver wins that series. I, I don't really too. trust Denver. Um, it, much past that, like I think they're one of those classic great regular season teams. Not so much after the fact. They're kind of young, aren't they? They they're they're young and like it's just. <laughs> Like, can you really play around Jokic late in a playoff game? He's a tremendous <laughs> player. I really like watching him play, but like, you got to have some guards that can kind of get to the basket and, and 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 make plays. And they don't have that. They don't have playoff experience. I think there's something to be said for that. So, yeah, young team. I think they probably get bounced in the semis. They're going to have their hands full with San Antonio, though. Obviously, like pop in the playoffs, but I think they get through it. Portland. Oklahoma City, I have no idea what to make of the Thunder. Because there's like moments with the Thunder where you're like, oh man, they can beat anyone, like Golden State included. And then there's moments where like, oh, this team almost missed the playoffs, kind of. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand how that team's that bad. Russell Westbrook. Like, <laughs> when he kind of defers. As he is? Well, when he, like, no, he's just, he, he plays with such a reckless abandon, and like he's one of the worst three-point shooters in the league and still takes three. He is the, statistically the worst three-point shooter in the league, if I'm not Jesus. mistaken. Still takes six a game. Like he's re- And like he doesn't have the explosiveness he had two, three years ago. And so like when he kind of defers and actually plays more of a true point guard role and they play off Paul George, they're really, really, really good. When he doesn't, they aren't. And like he, <laughs> he goes through those stretches in games where he just kind of drains them offensively. And then they had Dennis Schroeder, who was good for the first half of the season, but has been terrible for them. They got bench and depth issues. I don't really know what to make of them, to be honest, because like they're not going to be scared of any team. Like if they ever did face Golden State, which I don't think they would until the conference finals since they got the sixth seed. Like yeah. that would be one where they probably wouldn't win. But that's not one where like they're going to be like, you know, oh, shit, we have to face Golden State. They're, they're, they're going to be like, all right, I, I think they'd have more of a mindset of like this is a hell of an opportunity. Um, four five Rockets Jazz. I'm probably taking the Rockets. Yeah, I think they win, but it wouldn't shock me if you look up and that thing's three three and they're playing a game seven either. Yeah, the Rockets. though, like to me in my mind, like I, I get Portland and Denver finished ahead because of like tiebreakers and such. But like the Rockets are the second best team in the Western Conference. Sure. Like they're the two seed, which that's going to be a weird dynamic. Like to me, that's going to set up a crappy Western Conference Finals because like. Whoever wins that semis matchup is coming out of the West. Well, let me ask this. If you're the Rockets, you're going to have to go through Golden State to get to the finals, right? Um, I mean, what I'm asking is, like, no matter what seed you are, the the Western Conference finals go through Golden State. Wouldn't you just rather have them in the second round? If you're going to play them eventually. Um. I don't know necessarily about that logic because I'd rather say have them get beat up for six games with Oklahoma City and then limp into the conference finals. Eh, fair enough, because they're not going to get beat up in LA. Yeah, I don't think so too. I mean, that's, but that's, but you get beat up in the semis too, though. Like, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, so I don't know. That's kind of our very un un. <laughs> 
uneducated NBA thoughts. I mean, also I'll not an NBA, I love the NBA Yeah, also not an NBA podcast. I like the NBA. I, I watch a ton of it. I've, it's grown on me the last couple of years. I find it fascinating. Um, just the different storylines, even though you, you know who's going to win. What's going to be awesome is when Kevin Durant goes to New York, the league's going to finally balance out, and then you're really going to actually have some semblance of parity in a league that is notorious for having none. Yeah, and, and I still think the Warriors are going to be really good and maybe win the finals again without him, which is insane. Oh, 100%. They're going to reinvent the team again around Clay and Steph. And like what they do with Draymond, like I'd probably let Draymond Green walk. Um, he's a free agent, to it, right? You're gonna have to, well, kind of restricted, unrestricted. I think he's restricted this year, but next year they'd have to pay him a bunch of money after next summer. So okay. like if they get a deal for him or something like that, I'd probably let him go. Like I'd probably trade him. Sure. And, but yeah, so like I, I, I think like because I think Clay and Steph once Durant leaves, kind of we're still gonna have the like, remind people like how good we were beforehand thing. Yeah. So, so, like, you're going to have that. You're going to have maybe Kevin Durant and Kyrie in New York. You're still going to have Philly, presumably. Boston may get Anthony Davis. I don't know what that looks like based on Kyrie. And then you've still got the Rockets. Like, there's going to be some fascinating stuff going on. Yeah, the NBA free agent. I mean, it seems like that's one of the more interesting free agencies in all of sports is just because it's kind of unpredictable. Oh, yeah. That's what the league's made all their money off of. I mean, it's guys like. I mean, basically, they just like, they let them tamper with each other all-star weekend where they're like, hey, come play with me. Hey, come do this. And, like, the entire landscape of the league changes every offseason. That's what makes it so interesting. Yeah. I mean, think about it. Like, in the course of a year, you had Jimmy Butler basically try to fight his entire team in practice, get traded to Philadelphia. Like, you had Kevin Durant and Draymond Green almost come to blows in, like, the third, fourth game of the year. Like, I know who wins so that much- fight. Yeah, you had Kyrie, like, just, like, openly calling out his teammates and, like, a team with probably the second most, if not the most, overall talent in the NBA just never really figure it out. Like, so much weird stuff happens in the NBA, and that's, I guess, part of what makes it interesting. Carmelo Anthony, like, never made it with the Rockets, never, like, never suited up for a game in 2019. No? Did, did, no, he suited up for a game. He did? Oh, yeah, I guess yeah. He was, it was about a week. It was about a week and a half there. Yeah, yeah, and then they figured out that he was Carmelo Anthony. He's a negative value offensive player now and a horrible defender, and I don't know why you would have him on your, on your roster. Um, but, yeah, it's like you said, it's it's one of the more interesting leagues just from a storyline perspective because there's always something going on for sure. Uh, did you end up betting Masters, on the Masters? That's what I was just – no, no, I didn't. Um I guess Shambo's leading after one day. Is that right? Yeah, and I picked him in my master's pool, and, like, I Uh-oh. hate Bryson DeChambo. Like, cannot stand him. Yeah, I, I was watching with somebody last night, and they are like, that dude is such a jackass. Well, he, you know, like, so he, he played golf at SMU, and he was a great college player, but he's, like, thinks he's smarter than everyone else to the point to where he, like, claims to be this physics expert, which I think he did major in physics. I could be wrong. But he cut all of his clubs to the exact same shaft link, like had them customized. Like he's the guy that now they're allowed to lead the flag stick in when they putt. And like he's come up with like this formula on like heavier versus lighter flag sticks and when to do it. Like he uses like air density to calculate like what club he's going to hit. He's like that guy. Okay. So he has no friends. Extremely punchable face. Um, but, but great player, unfortunately. So like, I hate picked him because I was like, I do like his chances this week, but man, like if Bryson DeChambeau, it, like, wins the green jacket and gets it, like, awarded to him by Patrick Reed, what That's a what scene. Because <laughs> both of those guys are horrible, aren't they? Yeah, and then you, you know, like, 
DeChambeau's not a bad person. By most accounts, Patrick Reed, not a great dude. I like Patrick Reed. I think it's funny when golf has villains. Like, he loves, I think he secretly likes the fact that no one likes him. So, like, I kind of dig what, like, his whole role is, but yeah. And then you've got Kepka who shot six under. He's probably the most under, I don't know about underrated, but, like, he just flies under the radar because he doesn't have a ton of personality. Um, you know, Malloy, old Mrs. Golf coach, coached him at FSU. Like, yes, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, Tiger was leading for like 30 seconds yesterday. I did see that. It wasn't. Phil turned in a, a, a really late uh, 67. He's five under. Jesus. Yeah, the uh, the leaderboard is pretty much exactly what you want. I mean, you're going DeChambeau, Kepka, Mickelson, Poulter, Justin Johnson. Um, you've got Kevin Kisner. You've got Adam Scott. Tiger. Well, my boy DJ under. shoot. Uh, DJ shot four under. Had a nice there we go. 68 yesterday. So, like. Obviously, this is going to change a ton by the weekend. Um, really, the only surprise is Spieth shot three over, so he's going to have to make up some ground today to kind of yeah. get back in contention. But it's going to be a fun tournament. The course played, I think, maybe a little harder than people thought. But like, you've got big names in contention. You've got a big name playing well, and none bigger than Tiger Woods, who shot three under sixty nine. What uh, what Rory wind up shooting? Rory shot somewhere around. Even if I'm not mistaken. Okay. So he's a little bit behind too. Um, yes. The betting favorite in Augusta never seems to end up actually coming to fruition. I actually don't yeah. see Rory on here. Um Oh yeah, Rory shot one over. So like okay. still still I mean you don't like obviously the most cliched term in golf ever. Like you don't win it on Thursday, you can only lose it on Thursday. So like basically like you can't go out and shoot 75, 76, but if you're within eight, nine shots of the lead after the first day, like you're a solid round away from getting right back into the thick of things. Sure. So, yeah, that should be, it'll be a hell of a sports weekend. You've got Ole Miss baseball, you've got golf, you've got hockey playoffs, you've got NBA. It's, it's, it's going to be awesome. Probably why I'm rooting for a day off Saturday, but that's probably wishful thinking. <laughs> well, at least it's a night game, right? So you got all day to watch, watch sports. Um, yes, I do. I, it's going to be nice. So that's about all I got for today's show. Do you have anything else? I'm good. I'm good. Awesome. Well, we'll be back at it Monday, breaking down the Ole Miss Kentucky series. Among other things, we'll know a lot more about the NBA playoffs. We'll know who won the Masters. Should be a fun time. So join us on Monday for Brian Scott Rippey, Colin Brister. We appreciate you joining us. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.